We are here with the special holiday edition, Thanksgiving 2021, of that podcast with Sammy Rye. I hope you guys are having an amazing holiday. If you decided to tune in today or some other point, thank you so much for joining me. Um, obviously, I'm thankful for everyone who listens to the podcast. Got to do that, right? Um, yeah, it's been an amazing year. Great 2021. Looking forward so much to 2022. Every single thing has been building up to this point. Um, a lot of things going on. Uh, so, some stuff that I usually I'll talk about anything about to happen. Some stuff I don't even want to talk about happening. This happening yet? Um, just to make sure, right? But I hope you guys are having a great time this year. It's also my nine-year anniversary um, being married, which is interesting. The same actually fell on uh, Thanksgiving this year, right on the twenty-fifth, and um, that won't happen again until twenty twenty-seven, which I think is cool. Uh, that'd be 15 years at that point, right? So nine-year anniversary, um, that's cool. Been, what is, what did I even say? I've been really busy. Um, actually, I stayed up all night watching Midnight Mass on Netflix. So that kind of threw off some of my day from a holiday. Um, very good limited series. I'm so happy it's a limited series. Uh, they really just needed that one season. I'm a big fan of limited series. Um, I don't like when shows go on for too long. I think it's that cast and that crew or those people should just make a second limited series about something else. Um, and this is one of those true stories with Kevin Hart and Wesley Snipes. I've been looking forward to that. It's also a limited series. So good job. I'm really excited about seeing more of these limited series. I think it's a good idea. Um, another kind of way to tell a story, long-form story that's not a movie that you can break up into clear episodes and yeah, Midnight Mass, I saw last night. I didn't start True um, True Story yet with Kevin Hart. Maybe maybe after the holiday, I'll start that one. Um, but Midnight Mass, at first, people say sometimes things are a slow burn, and they're not. They're just not good. Midnight Mass is a real slow burn. Um, I, I see the first four episodes, which is about four hours of TV. Um, it's not not important. It all, you know, kind of, they're, they're putting forward a lot of ideas and setting up events between characters. A lot of characters on the show that tie into each other and, and what happens to them matters um, later on. So when I was first watching it, it's well acted, good production, not a bad show. But I was thinking there's not much going on here for what I thought was going to be like a scary TV show. Very subtle little things going on. And then once it ramps up, it is incredibly good. Everything pays off. Um, and it's, a, it's one of those few times I'm watching a show or a movie and I have to Google who the writer is. I'm like, who who wrote this, right? Because it has new ideas, a fresh take on something, and the concept made a lot of sense. I was like, this is a really smart way to tell this story. Um, so, yeah, the writing is excellent. Special effects were excellent. Um, and I think it's something else might have helped it, too, in the, in the show since they're not like shoving all these monsters and things in front of your face from the beginning, maybe they save a little bit of that CGI budget for a little bit for the end of the episodes. And um, it was the grand finale was just such a big payoff. So really, really happy with um, Midnight Mass on Netflix. Uh, I saw Eternals this week. I'm gonna talk about that in the podcast. I think I saw Shang Chi. I'm not sure if I talked about that last last week's podcast. I don't think I did, but I want to kind of touch more so on Eternals. And keep it kind of short this week for the podcast because it is Thanksgiving and I guess you, I'm sure you guys are waking up and doing a bunch of things that you have to do for the holiday, maybe going Black Friday shopping. Uh, if you guys are going to go out and do that, check that out. I, I usually always like going Black Friday shopping, but I feel like the last two or three years, there hasn't been that many great deals. Um, and also, it's not really fun shopping. I think it actually hasn't been like four or five years since I like went out 
and the I like the energy. It does feel like Christmas is kicking off. I've never been into one of those like crazy, you know, YouTube video Black Friday like massacres that you see sometimes online. I've never seen that. Everywhere I go, even if there's a good amount of people, everyone's pretty much nice and just happy and running around shopping. So, um, you know, I don't know how often that happens, but yeah, I, I enjoy Black Friday shopping. And I haven't been able to really have a good time over the last few years. Maybe because COVID's ending, maybe this year everyone will go out and actually like have some fun. But I do see that some retailers said they weren't going to open on Thanksgiving or they weren't going to open like close to Thanksgiving. So again, kind of disappointing. I always hear people talk about like how they don't like how like the commercialism and how it like encroaches on the holiday. I disagree. I think it's a fun thing to do on Thanksgiving, especially the day after Thanksgiving. It's a fun thing to do. I think it's a cool way to kick off the the holiday season. Of course, if everyone's, you know, behaving and not acting like maniacs in a store. But I live in the city. I've never seen anyone do that, right? I, I go, you go to the suburbs. Anywhere in my area I've ever been to, everyone seems fine. So um, I don't know how horrible it really can get. I don't, I never actually seen or heard, even heard or known someone in real life that had someone have a situation like that. It's usually always, again, a viral video online. And, you know, never know how that, you know, warps the perception of reality as to, you know, whether or not people do go insane on Black Friday or not. Um, so, yeah, I enjoy that. I enjoy that part of the holiday. And I don't know. Maybe I'll go out and try to see if anything's going on tonight. Not really sure. I actually got a lot of my shopping done earlier this year. So really, it's me. I sometimes as a dad, I like to just go out after all the hustle and bustle of Thanksgiving and really just walk around the store by myself and just kind of look around at things and see what's going on. Um, I always find it to be a fun thing to do, but maybe not this year. We'll have to see. Hopefully next year, definitely. I got to find me a better area to go Black Friday shopping in. I don't know if like maybe my area that people aren't just aren't into it anymore. Um, inter- Eternals, hopping into Eternals. Went back to the theater, finally broke the streak, right? So since COVID, I have not been in a theater. And the Eternals got me to go, mainly because um, I realized I could go, like, on a Sunday morning, like, you know, for, like, a $10 movie, like, a matinee. Um, I figured a lot of people wouldn't be in the theater. I got all my, my COVID shots. Uh, I've, been, I've also been to Disney World and stuff. I've been around lots of people already. So the theater... I just didn't know if it'd be a comfortable experience being there with your mask on, but I have a mask that I think is pretty comfortable. Um, and yeah, and I went and I really enjoyed it. It was great being back in the theater. The trailers looked awesome. Morbius, I think, looks awesome. Um, I don't know if Morbius and any of the Sony Marvel movies were going to be like as good as what I think the Marvel movies are, but um, I'm really hopeful for Morbius. I think Jared Leto's a great actor. I think that's going to be cool, a different kind of superhero movie. Um, yeah, I'm really excited with the way they approach that character, because normally, I don't really know much about Morbius, and as he was a comic book, uh, character, and he was in a TV show, I believe, I had, I think I knew my friend had his action figure, and it kind of seemed like a kiddie version of a vampire, which isn't that great, where, like, I believe in the cartoon, he, like, would suck your plasma out of you, right, which made it, as a kid, you didn't understand what it was, really. I think he, like, would put his hands on you and, like, somehow, like, stuff would come out of you. And he always wanted plasma. But they didn't really call it blood. So I don't know if that was just a TV version of him because it was a cartoon. Um, but in the movie, it seems like it is it is more he's actually a vampire. He's hunting and he's killing. I think it might actually be rated R. So that's it'd be interesting to see that. And then I don't know. But they keep talking about setting up Blade. Um, but maybe that would make sense if he's like the best vampire and then, you know, you have Blade show up at some point, that could be cool. Even though I could see them like teaming up or something, because I don't think they're painting Morbius to be a pure villain. Um, I think they're making him, it's like another kind of anti-hero. 
And that could be a cool thing. It could be cool if Sony like does all the R-rated anti-hero versions of the Spider-Man characters. And then they can maybe cross over Spider-Man. I don't know what's going to happen with Marvel and Sony overall. But from my understanding is, those universes are officially merging. So that might be spoilers to some people based on what you see or you don't see. But um, I don't know even how it works. So it's not really a spoiler. Because I don't know what exactly they're doing. And I'm not sure if we're even going to really see the full effects of that. Maybe for another year or so. I guess maybe Spider-Man No Way Home will maybe explain it more. But I mean, like, how is it really going to impact the Marvel Universe? Because some of those movies, you know, they'll have a whole movie and then have, like, a character show up as a cameo. That's not really an impact into the overall Marvel story, you know? So I don't know really what is going to matter if Spider-Man or whatever, you know, has these other characters in the Marvel Universe. Um, I used to think about that with the Netflix shows. I was pretty sure the Netflix shows were canon and a part of the overall show. I believe Luke Cage um, had some some things where they were they were selling like bootleg tapes of the attack in New York, which ties into Avengers. So at that point, it seemed like the show was saying we are officially tied in, but it seems like they're not, or they're not really paying attention to that history. But if you think about it, it's just small stories going on in you know certain certain areas, certain cities. It doesn't really matter if it ties in or doesn't tie in because it, you don't know the impact when you know when Thanos shows up you know ten years later. What does it matter if, like, Luke Cage was fighting over somebody for the ownership of a barbershop in New York? Like, it doesn't really matter to the overall story. It's cool if that character shows up, but, you know, none of the Netflix characters showed up for, like, the endgame situations. Um, and now you're seeing that even stuff that did not matter, like Dr. Octopus from Spider-Man 2 is not in the Marvel Universe, except now he is, right? So even things you think aren't canon don't 100% not matter because they have so many plot devices to justify later on being able to make it matter. So, I don't know. I guess, I think overall that's a good thing because it, I think it makes everything seem like, you know, it has a bit more importance or potentially could have importance in the show. And then also reminds you that it, if it doesn't connect, how much does it really matter since these stories are all on very different scales. And in comic books, it's the same thing. Like, in comic books, they're all in the same universe, but every single page of every comic book doesn't really affect every other comic book. So the fact these characters cross over sometimes isn't really that big of a deal. You know, you can do it, you cannot do it. Um, the fact that they all exist in the same universe matters. It also doesn't matter. Um, it really just depends on, I think, when the writers get that chance and they decide to start picking from that buffet table who's going to be in the next movie, what they pick and how they do things with them. So, um, I think you even see examples when sometimes they bring a character that wasn't that great in one movie over, and then they're really great in the next movie once another writer and director get their hands on them. Um, so yeah, I mean, Thor Ragnarok's a great example. You know, from Thor 1 and 2, they were okay. I like Thor 1 more than 2. I think that's the kind of the general consensus on those films. But in Thor 3, uh, yeah, Thor was became amazing. All those characters in the movie were amazing. And then I liked Loki a lot on his show. So Loki has some great Marvel movie moments. Well, on the show, then even that character got elevated. So if you have a character you don't like that's appeared somewhere and you're like, I don't really like that character, um, maybe it just takes another writer to approach it. And that's also the same thing in the comics. There's a lot of comic characters. Mystique's the best one. There was a Mystique comic book that came out at one point that I could think of. And she's like a secret agent for Professor X, basically. Um, at first, it seemed like stupid until I read it. 
and then the writer had all these cool James Bond-like ideas for Mystique and different things that she could do with her body that you don't realize because of her powers. It made the character so much more interesting than her just looking like someone and like getting knocked over, right? Which I feel like in X-Men movies a lot of times, she looks like someone, and then you hit him, you realize, oh, that's not that some person. That's not the person, whatever. That's the whole point of Mystique. But yeah, and this uh, her comic book that they wrote in, I believe, the early 2000s, I thought it was really cool, and the fact that she like worked as a secret agent for Professor X, doing things that he wanted her to do, that he didn't want the X Men or anyone else knowing that he wanted to get done, I thought you know added more layers to Professor X, and also made Mystique, you know, her being a bad guy, kind of felt bad for her. That means sometimes she's going against the X Men, and you know she's secretly working for Professor X, but she gets none of the glory. Um, yeah, again, a new writer comes in, makes Mystique seem very, very interesting. So. Looking forward to what they're going to do with all these new movies and stuff and the Marvel point, uh, the Marvel, Sony, and all those guys. But Eternals, I don't know if it's going to be spoilers. I'm going to talk more about concepts for Eternals. Um, and and it, again, it's something that happens sort of as a prequel, sort of as a sequel. Um, and as they're dealing with so much far out outer space stuff, I have no idea how much it affects any of the other shows and stuff. So, I don't know how much spoilers there is. I'll try to avoid things that actually happen in the film. But I want to talk about the concepts of the film, which I thought was a lot. I hopefully will help people when they go watch the movie, maybe get have an appreciation for it. I can understand why Eternals has the reviews that it has. I thought it was good. I enjoyed it. But it's a lot to swallow. Um, it's a lot of concepts, which I don't think we've had a movie this chuck full of concepts, right? Where when Thor came in, they had to explain magic to an Iron Man kind of world, right? If we believe Iron Man can exist, and Tony Stark, Robert Downey Jr., they helped us convince that this is possible in their movies. They got, we could convince us of that. How do you, right after that, explain to us Thor? Because this is like a Batman Begins kind of world where they're making very... America, the people, the world are want realistic superheroes, right? So how do you explain magic? And Thor and Natalie Portman, um, you know, Chris Hemsworth, and those characters... Uh, her Jane Foster character, all together, really, I thought, got magic over. In some simple ways, they explained how magic works. It's like science. It's just a little different. You guys just don't understand it, but in our world, we understand it. That was cool. And since then, everything else built off of that. I think they've had lots of movies to build in a lot of concepts. You have places like Wakanda. Well, you know, how do we never know it was there? Oh, I understand. Right, Brainium, what's that? How does that exist? Oh, it's also in Captain America's shield this whole time? Oh, that makes sense, right? So you took time to build this out where Eternals is trying to explain um, all of reality, uh, the, the entirety of human history, about 7,000 years worth of history, um, also what was happening throughout the universe at the same time, um, how planets are born, how they're destroyed, possibly the origins of angels and demons and God, um, and everything else. And they're also like telling a love story in like modern day England. <laughs> it's a tall order for a movie that even after I think two and a half hours, I don't know how long it was off my head. It felt like it was five hours, not in a bad way, but it, I feel like every scene mattered and they were explaining a lot. They go all over the world. They're in India, they're in Europe, there's probably in America some scenes, lots of other countries. And also go all throughout time. They go to like Babylon. I think at one point they're like in the Aztecs uh, you know, civilization. Might have been in Pompeii at one point. Whew, it was a lot. It was a lot of stuff going on in those films. 
in, in that film, I mean. It, it feels like films. It could have definitely been a TV show with, like, two seasons worth of stuff, it felt like. And somehow they covered it in two hours. So, that's a lot. It's a lot. You can't watch this on Disney Plus with your cell phone in your hand. No, you need to want to sit down. And I sat down wanting to watch it. And I remember feeling like this is a daunting task for some people. Because the, the Eternals themselves, I think there's like 7 or 20 of them. I don't know. It just felt like the cast was a lot of characters to introduce. Then um, I think there's bad guys. It's Honestly, I can't remember. It's just so much stuff. I've been thinking about it all week. Um, and when I talk about concepts, the cool thing I think is... When you get towards the end of it and you start to wrap your head around everything, it's not that complicated. And I feel like they have the most complicated story to hide the fact this is Marvel's Justice League. That's really what the whole movie's about, right? The whole movie's trying to say, hey, look, we have our own Justice League. This guy is Superman. This girl is Wonder Woman. This guy is Cyborg. But we don't want to come out and say that immediately. Uh, So we'll do everything in our powers to convince you or make you not realize that's what we're doing. That way, at the end of the movie, you realize that's what we just did. And I think that's cool. Like, yeah, I'm all for it. Now there's a Justice League inside the Marvel Universe, pretty much, right? Uh, There's a character. There's the Flash. Um, I mean, and then Justice League itself has so many characters with all kinds of powers. So perhaps... Some of these characters aren't supposed to directly be other people. Like, there's one character that um, can control people's minds, pretty much. And I'm not sure if that ties directly into a Justice League character that comes to mind. Um, but maybe it does. You know, either way, I'm pretty sure that's who it is. And it's kind of cool because I've always felt like the Justice League should be depowered. Like, not as powerful. I thought that I think that'd be an easier way to tell their stories. I feel like they're so powerful, it's hard to tell stories. But DC has been pretty much doubling down on the idea these guys are gods, pretty much, right? That's They, they keep on doing Justice League are gods. They're so, so strong, right? So I'm like, oh, okay. Um, I don't know how they feel like that's working for them. Maybe they think it's working. I don't know. I think, again, they should be depowered. However, when Marvel does them, and I'm thinking, okay, I respect the Marvel formula. Let's see what they do. I don't think they're too powerful, in the Marvel Universe, but they're gods. They're literally gods. They're very powerful. And I guess they kind of exist on like that angel spectrum worth of power. Like they're not literally God. But I guess if you hear a story about like an angel killing a god that has the potential to kill a god, then you're like, okay, that kind of makes sense because they exist obviously in that, that spectrum of power on, a, on the higher echelon of it. Um, but then you feel bad for characters like the Punisher, where you're like, yeah, these guys would just, like, blink and the Punisher would die, right? So, which makes sense, I guess, right? Maybe Punisher, like, goes, finds, like, an angel sword or something and kills one of them. Maybe he, that, you, have to, you know, good writing, you might can figure out how to do it. It's just, it's difficult, and Marvel's got, did, did a pretty good job of staying away from these kind of characters, um, and then killing them when they show up, like Thanos. Where, like, how do you have characters that are so head and shoulders above everyone else strong, and still make those other characters look cool, so Eternals, I think, presents a bit of a problem. However, I do think they can die in certain situations, and some of them seem more stronger than others. So maybe they won't be that big of a deal. And they do a lot to explain why they don't get involved in human affairs and stuff like that. So again, playing the angle godlike thing, 
uh, or the angel godlike angle, right? Where like they're like, yeah, we're not really trying to interfere with things. That's how we can all exist here. And my understanding of it is the next thing that's coming to face the Marvel Universe, which um, I don't want to give spoilers out, but you, you should watch Loki if you haven't seen it. Um, I think that is going to present lots of separate problems. And I can see there being eternal level problems that the Eternals need to go deal with. And then, you know, defenders level problems that the defenders like Iron Fist and, and those guys need to go deal with to overall be a, a, a situation to fix. Where with Thanos, it was he had the Infinity Gauntlet. We have to stop Thanos in the Infinity Gauntlet. But I think with the current problem Marvel's having for the next universe, the next big you know thing, it might be a thing where there's, you know, five different things that need to be stopped. All of different kinds of scales. And we got a hero for everybody, right? We got a hero for every problem. They could go kind of deal with these separate things. I wouldn't even be surprised now. Think about it. If maybe it's not one movie or two movie. But maybe it's, you know, this plot plays out over the course of five or six different movies. Not being that you have to watch them all necessarily one-on-one. It could be like, hey, these guys have to fight this thing. Hopefully they stop it. They do. And that kind of sets up the the like um, marathon of, okay, well, there's still four more problems. Hopefully those other guys can do what they had to do in their movie. And really you could just film different movies. Um, but this is me just guessing and spitballing at this point because the problem, if you watch Loki and you get to the end of it, it's a giant situation Marvel opens up. One that I think, you know, for writers is almost like the most biggest can of worms you could try to explain in films um, and I almost think that they might be going the route of let's just give them the most craziest thing we could do, and if we can if we pull that off, then for the rest of you know human history we can make Marvel movies about anything because they'll 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 will have opened up pretty much all the known plot devices in comics, um, and that'll let them do anything they want to forever. Which I think films have had a difficult time dealing with, and No Man no, Spider Man No Way Home is dealing with this right. How do you recast? How do you deal with the recast right? Um, everyone's really upset about Black Panther, the new Black Panther movie, and the fact that T'Challa is, is they've said it already, he's going to die because Chadwick Boseman unfortunately passed away in real life. And I keep seeing people go back and forth on how they feel about that, right? Um, but if you watch a lot of the shows and all the things they're doing right now, I don't know if it should matter to people, the, the fictional character, T'Challa dying, as much as they think it should. Because there's so many other ways now. Because all the plot devices Marvel's opening up. All the rules in their universe are opening up. There's so many other ways for them to approach it. I've heard people say, well, recast. You just recast as it didn't happen. You could do that. Okay, yeah. Um, other people saying, like, well, Shuri should take over. Which I think I'm, I'm more for Shuri taking over. But in the comics, Shuri is a martial artist. And she's a fighter. Along with being smart. In the movie, they didn't really get a chance to delve into that. They didn't really, they didn't really play her off as if she's someone who is also a fighter, so not too sure if she should do that. And I also feel like those are the most obvious things, and Marvel's not going to do the most obvious thing. They're going to have another idea. But with some of the plot devices just showing up, I could see, see in Black Panther 3 or 4 or some other point, if they somehow come up with some other kind of story and bring T'Challa, the fictional character, back in some way, um, either literally bring him back to life, and then he could be maybe a different form, a different character. I don't know. There's lots of different things I think they can do now because of all the plot devices they're opening up. So you look at comics and see the comics, they do pretty much everything under the sun. 
I think that's what they're going to do in Marvel. I think Marvel's next goal is they need to get to a point where they can pretty much bring out any story to you and you know it fits and matters inside their grander scheme of things. And it looks like Sony's going to be doing the same thing. Sony's in an interesting space where they could keep on making movies and seeing if they work or they don't work. And if they do work, then later on they can fold them into the Marvel Universe or just keep them in like a little small little pocket somewhere else. Um, yeah, they, they kind of can do anything they want now. So I don't know. I guess that's the, the, what they should be doing. Um, and I think about it when I'm talking about all this stuff and realizing that you know from DC, I don't know anything DC's doing. I don't feel like DC has any kind of overall plan. And I guess it's cool if you don't mind watching just regular movies that are just one movie. Um, but I, I feel like DC is not going to be able to keep up with all the things Marvel are doing. Um, I'm interested in a new Flash movie, but it's just taking too long. It's just years and years and years for these things supposedly to come together. And either they don't come together or by the time they come together, they don't. it's just hard to care, right? So I'm hoping that DC finds a way to kind of figure out what their side of their, the, their thing's going to be. But like with Eternals showing up in Marvel... I'm like, yeah, now I don't even know if the Justice League are as special as they used to be. Because now these new characters are updated. Um, and, and, you know, that's something I, I always say for people out there who are writing. Hollywood traditionally doesn't seem to like things that aren't franchises and are established properties. But I believe, obviously, for all the things that I'm always developing, that we have to get to a point where people have to prove that with new ideas to kind of build off old ideas, you can it's better. You can go forward because Eternal shows up and you don't really know them. So you don't have to worry about any of the problems that Justice League have. When Justice League show up, we know those characters. We expect certain things to those characters. So they have to do and act a certain kind of way. Where Eternal shows up on the big screen, people don't know. So you can have all the good qualities of Justice League and none of the backstory you have to really satisfy um, because these are characters you don't really know. So I feel like DC and, and some of the other people, um, you know, they have to start realizing that you need to make other new characters or just be comfortable breaking the chains on your characters and pushing them into new space. Like Superman needs to be in a new space. Superman needs to do something new. He needs a, you need a new take on Superman because um, it's just you keep doing the same thing over and over again and no one's ever happy. It's just too much history on Superman for you to feel like that you can come out there and make a movie that... It's really going to surprise people and move the needle without making him too much different than Superman. You have to just dip, make him different. You have to just get away from Superman um, and, and try something completely different. So I think the next Superman movie, the rumor was they're going to do a Superman from like a different version of reality. And again, that I think that I thought that was a cool idea. Hopefully it'll work. But then like Marvel, I feel like they're so far ahead of that now. So by the time DC ever gets around to making that movie... They just always look like they're copying off of Marvel, even if they had ideas first, because they, they don't move fast enough, in my opinion. So, we'll see. We'll see if there's anything they, do, they can do to catch up. Um, but those are some of the big things I've seen recently. Shang-Chi, um, they used to talk about it a little bit. I think that was a really fun Marvel movie. Again, expanding the Marvel Universe in some new, fun ways. Bringing in other genres of movies into the Marvel Universe. Um, and then watching something like um, The Harder They Fall on Netflix, which was an awesome film, that I thought reinvented or reinvigorated the Western genre. It kind of made me think that like, if Marvel had done a cowboy movie, they would have done it like that. So why don't we do a Marvel cowboy movie, right? <laughs> like that That's what we need. You need new styles and new ways of telling stories 
to make some of these individual movies seem good because the bigger they are or the harder they fall on Netflix, it's not tied into really anything. There might be, I guess, a sequel for that. But that was awesome. That's a big win for Netflix because I realized watching that movie, there's not many new movies that aren't franchises that are really that great. Just one movie that's great. And The Heart of the Fall was great. And it did a lot of the things I think Marvel does. One thing is, I think they know how to capture the spirit of some, the spirit of something that's successful and bring it into something else. So The Heart of the Fall has a lot of the energy and spirit of Django. And Django is a hit. Django was a hit, especially on Netflix. It was on Netflix for a very long time. Got a lot of views on Netflix. So when Django left Netflix, now they have their own version not necessarily like their own version of Django, but they have a Western movie with style and action and flair. And it, they own that movie. It's on Netflix now. And it brought the spirit over where I don't feel like now, you know, even though Django is its own movie that you're going to want to still watch, you don't feel like, oh, man, I don't have anything. You know, sometimes you search on Netflix for like a movie and, it, and instead of them having it, they'll say, oh, we have these other movies. But the other movies aren't that, they aren't that thing, right? They don't really feel it fit in that void. Well, how did they fall while it's not Django? It's not, I'm not saying it's like replacing it. If I'm like, oh, I'm really in the mood for that kind of movie, that that actually is like Django. So they're like, we don't have Django, we have how did they fall. I'm like, that's accurate. That's actually a good comparison because um, other times they don't have that good comparison. So when they lose those properties and they can't afford to pay them, then now it's good if you can create something new that's for Netflix but um, still has that, that feeling you want from something else. So I think that's a, good, that's a really good win for them. And I realize I would hope to see more good singular movies that aren't tied into some kind of overall formula. Like I like the Marvel movies a lot. But uh, that's because I think a lot of times when I watch those singular movies that aren't tied into sequels or aren't tied into franchises, they're just older standard movies. They're still done in the same traditional style. There's not that new voice, that new appeal, um, you know, something, some kind of new style to it. Um, and The Heart of the Fall, again, was amazing. Other movies that come to mind, I think, is like like Us, right? Us and Get Out from Jordan Peele, they both had, like, a new voice. They were fresh. I like those terms a lot. Um, and that looked really exciting. Another trailer I saw that looked awesome was for West Side Story, Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. And I didn't know what to expect but a lot of new actors in that movie, um, and it had a really cool visual style that, again, was fresh. Um, it's an older movie, and it kind of had this, like, enhanced HD version of an old-looking movie. Like, I almost felt like they somehow, like, digitally put fuzz on everyone, but it was, like, 4K and crisp. I don't know what they did, um, but it looked good. The lighting was great. It had cool sets, and it looked like it had edge, too. Like, it looked like it was going to be kind of violent or... Um, had some grit to it, which I like in my films. So um, that was the one thing with Into the Heights. Into the Heights is a bright, beautiful-looking movie, but I, for for that kind of a story, I would have liked a little more grit and more stuff in the streets. I'm from the city. I, I feel like that kind of really tells a true story about the streets. Where Into the Heights, I felt like, was giving off this vibe of, like, this is the most happiest things that happen here, which I guess is for another kind of audience, not really, really for me. But West Side Story, I thought, wow, like, this is like, it's telling a story that I can relate to. There's some grit here. Um, but also, I'm sure there's music and stuff in it. So normally, I'm not all for remakes and stuff like that. But I was like, well, this, this looks cool. It looks like you're remaking this, but in a new kind of way, new people. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to see, hopefully, how that plays out, right? And there's some other great movies, too. Some other Disney movies I saw. There's another Disney movie, I think, that John Leguizamo's in it. 
as watching the trailer, I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. I, I'm going I'm to kick myself. I feel like I know what the name of the movie is. When I heard John Leguizamo's voice, I was like, almost like giggled as like a little kid in the theater. I was like, oh, yeah, John Leguizamo's going to be in this. So um, I had to look it up. I had it ready for the podcast next week. But yeah, I don't want to keep you guys too long. Um, I think that's pretty much all the things we want to talk about, you know, that I'm ready to talk about this week. Some other things are in the works. Um, definitely 2022 is looking really great. I hope you guys enjoy your holidays, but stay active, stay moving forward, and, you know, get ready for next year. I believe that next year, COVID and all those things will completely be over, um, or at least not something people are talking about or care about as much. I think we're going to start returning back to, you know, what things are. And there's so many exciting things coming up um, for, you know, man, I feel like everything has opportunities. There's, I think there is some things we're going to talk about more as I understand and learn more about them when it comes to NFTs. I think there's ways to not do them. There's ways to do them. There's, they serve a purpose. I don't think people understand what the purpose is. I think people look at them and they think they're just online stupid junk. And obviously, lots of people are going to use them and make online stupid junk. But there's also a lot of value that you can use them if if you know how to how to where they fit in your business. They fit. Uh, the, the, the only I'll talk about is like when you're playing a video game and you unlock something that's digital. It doesn't exist, but it matters. Um, when it's to that in the context of that game that you're playing, and sometimes you play a second video game. They will reward you because you unlock something in the first video game. And that whole currency and this whole system exists in our minds. It's just digital, but it does matter. And if you're playing a game or you're part of a company and you're able to keep unlocking things because you have this like virtual badge that's showing your progression and stuff, that's what NFTs can be for you. Whether it's something that you're collecting as art, doesn't matter so much. But like when I pass away, I can't leave my Fortnite account to anyone um, and all the things I purchased and unlocked and earned, I can't leave them to anyone. But if every single time you unlock something, you triggered an NFT, then it becomes a, an actual representation of that virtual thing and then you could use it for something else. Now, not all businesses aren't using it that way, but that's how I'm going to use it and that's what they should be for. Um, at least one of the things they should be for. You know, if you can find another useful way to use it for your business, for your thing, that's amazing. But um, I think Disney made a million dollars in the first few minutes of releasing their NFT, NFTs they put out. And I think they're just releasing them as art, like kind of like collector's pieces. Everyone's talking about them like they're digital art. And again, it's like saying Fortnite skin is just a digital piece of art. There's You could play with them. There's a lot of different things you could do with them. And you can't do that with NFTs right now. At least there's no link to it. But like, yeah, like if you, Epic could do that. Epic could say when you buy this skin, you get an NFT token for this skin too. Then that exists beyond our game. That's going to be huge, right? So these are just potentials. And these this all there. It's not that you can't do it. It exists within the technology. It's just who's going to use it first, right? And I think when people start using it in more interesting ways, that's going to be something to get into more later on in the podcast. So that's just one thing. Here's a tip of the iceberg. I'm seeing a lot of virtual production software where you can use the Unreal Engine, which is free. You can put it on your computer. You can start playing with the Unreal Engine. You can be taking your YouTube videos. I think kids are going to take their standard YouTube videos and be filming those things on like Tatooine from Star Wars, right? You can do it. You can do it right now. It's not that expensive. A lot of the stuff is free to get started. Um, if you have some space, you can set up a green screen and stuff like that. Um, yeah, there's a lot of things that you can do that are coming around the corner. So 
if you thought it was all said and done and you don't know what else to do and the market's too saturated or whatever, not at all. There's nothing but more opportunities for business and art. And hopefully, you know, the podcast of Sammy Ride will be growing more in 2022. I'm hoping to have a lot more new exciting guests, I'm hoping to get more of a budget to you know put into the, the podcast and to see some other things that I had developing, seeing the actual stories and, and shows I want to do um, or the videos, I guess you would say I want to do. Start hitting the web more. A lot, a lot of things coming in the future. So I hope you guys really enjoy this holiday. Be thankful for today. Be happy for what you're doing today. Um, and keep just keep your keep in the back of your mind what you got going on as you enjoy the holidays. Do not take a break. I took a break last holiday and I paid for it for six months afterwards. Keep working towards something with like your finger on the pulse, right? Just keep an eye on it. Um, you can cruise here or there. Remember what the prize is, and as soon as you're you're done and you hit all your family obligations and stuff, and you enjoyed the end of your year, um, hop back into it as hard as you can um, as soon as the new year starts. Because I think there's a lot of exciting things coming around, and hopefully you guys subscribe and share this with your friends, people you're working with. Because as I keep seeing these things, I will give you guys my best take on things I think you could use your business and for your art. That are very, very valuable. A lot of new exciting things are coming around the corner. But that's it. You guys enjoy. I hope you enjoyed the podcast this week. Enjoy your dinner and have a great night. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Peace.